The Maiden Flight Podcast, episode 15. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Maiden Flight Podcast. My name is Mark Maiden, and I am your host for this episode, episode 15. And in case you haven't uh, been a subscriber to the podcast before and you don't know what this podcast is all about, let me just get you quickly up to speed because it's been a while since I've released an episode. But uh, this podcast, um, I put this out there to just kind of chronicle my journey as a student pilot and uh, just the things that I've learned and just how much I enjoy it and I just felt I wanted to share it with people. So if this is your first time to the podcast, thank you very much for downloading. really appreciate it. And for all the others out there who've been following my journey, uh, welcome back. It's been a while since I've done this and, you know, I'm just sorry that I haven't gotten out more episodes. It's just been such a busy year. But uh, it's great to to finally record this episode and to finally say that I have passed my private pilot checkride. I am now a private pilot. Uh, On the 5th of May this year, I managed to complete it. So I am just over the moon about that. And I just thought I'd talk a little bit today about just that whole day. Um, Because as student pilots, we spend such a long time preparing for that. Um, It's a long journey. If you're not doing it as a, a full-time program, like as an integrated, um, you know, ATPL student, getting your private license, it's a, it's, it's tough going. It's not an easy thing to do, and it's, um, it's challenging. Uh, there are a lot of hurdles you have to overcome. Um, it's expensive. We all know that. Um, but to finally get it now, it's been something that I've wanted to do for so long, and uh, just to have it was fantastic. So the way it occurred here, over the last year, I've been building up my time. I've been doing everything that I've needed to do, like complete my um, my qualifying cross countries. I've been flying with the National Flight Center here in Dublin, and I've been flying with a great instructor, uh, Peter. So he's been great uh, for me. He's a really good instructor. He gets a good balance between... Um, you know, encouraging you when you need a bit of encouragement and then also kicking you up the backside when you need that too. So he's, uh, he's been a great instructor and I've struck with, stuck with him now since I've gone there to NFC. Um, so as it, when it finally came to getting everything um, sorted out for my test, I had to do a mock PPL test. So I did that with the, one of the other instructors in NFC. So there was a few things that came out of that that I just needed to work on. There was a few things around making sure my speeds were spot on coming into landing. There was one or two things on my uh, forced landing I needed to work on. But uh, eventually they said, right, you're ready, go for it. So they got me in touch with a, an examiner. His name is David. So uh, we just kind of got in touch with each other and organized a day to do it. Um, I had a good look at the weather ahead of time and figured out um, on a fairly good day. So as it turned out, the day was beautiful. It was just lovely and clear. It was very warm. Uh, the sun was shining. There wasn't you know, nothing to worry about when it came to rain. So I got up early in the morning and completed my, f- um, my flight plan. So obviously I'd done all the, um, all the work 
to uh, prepare myself before the day. You don't want to be doing it all on, on the morning because it just takes time. And David was interested in me doing a flight plan from Dublin to Cork. Now, that means going through um, some military airspace. Uh, it means going into Class C airspace, Class G. So there's a couple of different things that you need to plan for uh, when you prepare for that. And I had heard as well that he was a, an examiner that was very interested in, um, you know, the rules of the air and, you know, what happens when you fly into these particular airspaces, you know, what are your minimum, you know, uh, how far are you meant to stay away from towns and this sort of stuff. So did a good bit of um, prep work on that. Um, I was really nervous. I was actually really nervous in the morning getting up. Um, like I was busy, I was doing my wind calculations and everything, getting them prepared. But you know, I was I was nervous. I prepared. You know, this has been been preparing for this for five years, and here's the day that it all comes to the the crux of the matter. Uh, the wind was good, um, but on I had to decide on um, the two thousand foot um, wind direction and levels because we're slap bang in the middle of two zones that are recorded on the um, Met chart. So you have to kind of extrapolate between the two. So I got out early to uh, to NFC um, and I spoke to a few of the lads uh, behind the desk and I asked them if they wouldn't mind fueling up the plane to exactly what I needed. I just didn't want to have to consider that sort of stuff um, when the examiner arrived. Just wanted to make sure the plane looked good, everything was all sorted. Um, so that was really decent of them to do to do that. So initially, when David arrived, we uh, went into a, a briefing room, and I'd say we spent the best part of two or two and a half hours um, just talking about things. So initially, he spent a while just telling me what the test was going to be. He said, you know, these tests aren't, uh, there shouldn't be any surprises in these tests. You know, you know exactly, essentially, what's coming. You know you have to do your, your navigation part. Uh, you know you have to be able to divert, you know you're going to get a, a forced landing, you know he's going to pull the engine on you, um, you know, and then you know you're going to get go back to Weston and you're going to be doing a few circuits and flapless landings and things like that. So there's nothing, nothing surprising, but they're just looking for all the elements within all those tasks to see that you are able to be pilot in command. So um, like straight away I got on very well with David, I found him, found him to be very reasonable, decent bloke. Um, you know, it was more of a chat really initially. So um so he gave me a good brief of the test and he said that ultimately they're looking to see whether we can we are safe pilots and that we can bring people, passengers up with them. He even said, you know, I'm looking to see now whether I would trust you with bringing my wife and family up. You know, we're not meant to know absolutely everything at 50 or 60 hours, but you were just they're just looking to see that we're safe. From then, we went to uh, the weather briefing. So I'd printed out all my uh, charts and everything, and he just quizzed me on, on some of those elements. Uh, we moved on to my flight plan. So he uh, quizzed me on how I did my wind calculations and uh, other elements. And uh, and also about making a, a flight plan with ATC. And we went into things like we got out the map and he was we were looking around at the, the different airspaces and he was asking me about the rules in different airspaces and what different things on the chart meant. Um, you know, things like VFR minima, 
you know, how far do we have to be away from clouds and things like that. So, um, you know, that part of the test went pretty well. And to be honest, I wasn't so nervous about that part of it. I felt that, you know, over the years, I've just kind of gradually built up the knowledge in those areas. So, so that went very well. So then we took a, a little break, um, just had a sandwich and stuff, just got ourselves prepared for the next part. Uh, and the next part then was the the walk around. So he kind of stood back at a distance and just watched me as I did my walk around. And every now and again, he'd, he'd uh, come to me and ask me, so, um, you know, how does the uh, how does the stall warning work? So, you know, then I, I knew it was because of pressure that uh, pressure would kind of suck on on the uh, stall warning and that would make it work. And so, and he's, he was, and then he would ask another question, well, was it high pressure or low pressure? And, you know, he'd start kind of delving deep, but, you know, he wasn't unreasonable, you know? So he even asked me what was the, what would be the color of the brake fluid? You know, if there was a leak in the brakes on the, on the wheels, what color would that be? And, and to be honest, off the top of my head, I didn't really know, but I made an intelligent guess at it and said, oh, I'll probably be red. And he goes, yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. So, you know, it was he, he more just wanted to see that I had a good level of understanding and knowledge. He asked me about the pito and static vents. And, uh, and then we got into the plane and got ready to go. And the funniest thing, the funniest thing ever, we get into the plane, we're all ready to go. I uh, yell out, clear prop, and I turn the key, and nothing. It was literally like, click, click, and nothing happened. So I went, oh, okay, what's the story with this? So he kind of looked at me and kind of goes, oh, wonder what's going on here. So I tried again, click, click, and I'm going, Janie Mac, are we going to have to get a different plane after all this, that all this work that I've put into this? So... He he noticed one of the um, experienced instructors walking by, and he uh, he shouts out to him and goes, "Hey Trevor, would you mind uh, would you mind mind hand propping for us?" And I'm sitting there, go, Janie, I have never done this, you know. And he and uh, Trevor goes, "Yeah, sure, yeah." And they were like, "Okay, mags on, brakes on, whatever." And Trevor came over and hand propped it, which was just hilarious because uh, like I've never experienced anything like that before. And he turns to me afterwards and he says. Don't ever do that. And I said, yeah, that's fine. No bother. I won't be doing that. I've decided already I won't be hand propping a plane. So uh, that was that was a little bit stressful at the time, but it worked out well. He said, it looks like, sounds like the starter motor wasn't connecting in. But anyway, we got it started. And for anybody listening to the podcast who don't understand about how, um, you know, maybe airplane engines work, you know, if you have a problem starting an engine, that doesn't mean you have a problem with your engine. It's just maybe a problem with your starter, something's not engaging, maybe, you know, the battery's dead or something like that. But once the uh, the engine actually starts, you're fine. So um, so we went off then, and the, the first part of the test is really just him seeing whether or not you can um, just keep your headings... Uh, do your flight plan, that your flight plan is working out relatively closely, that if it's not exactly right, that you're noticing that it's not right and you're changing. So you're doing maybe two, three, four waypoints on your your navigational exercise. So we climbed out okay, and straight away I could feel the plane going up and down, bumping up and down. Uh, and this was probably about, I'd say, two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, there are limits to how much height you can gain and lose 
uh, in the test. It's about 150 feet, which seems fine. Should be should be plenty of time to to um, to make sure you don't break those. But I was fine. I was struggling to keep it within the 150 feet. The plane was going up and down like crazy. So we got out west. Uh, we got in touch with Baldonnell, which is the military military controller. And they told us not to go above uh, 1,500 feet initially. So we started heading south down towards uh, Kildare, down towards Prosperous, Kildare, that direction. So I always find, I don't know whether other pilots find this as well, but getting to your first waypoint is really nerve-wracking. I always find I'm going, okay, I know I'm going approximately the right way. I don't know exactly what the wind is doing. And you're looking for your first waypoint just all the time. And you're just nervous that you're not going to hit it. So uh, I, I knew I was going approximately the right way. And my first waypoint was where uh, the, the canal out near uh, Prosperous uh, divides into two. And it's a pretty good landmark. You can see it. You can see because essentially you're, it's like three rivers coming together. So I knew that was a good waypoint. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the time and I'm going, okay, I should be hitting this within the next minute or two and I cannot see it whatsoever. And then the next second I looked out, out of my left and it was slightly to the left of me and I saw it. So I was really relieved when I saw that. But I always get nervous just getting to the first waypoint and then figuring out, okay, so hit the first one. I'm slightly off. So that means a little bit more wind coming from this direction or that direction. So you can start working things out. But um, but that was a bit nerve-wracking. And in the meantime, the plane is bouncing up and down crazy. So I went on then to the next waypoint. There was no problems with that. Once I'd hit the first one, uh, I had no major big deals with the next. It was Kildare and the Curra. You have to avoid the Curra because that's a military area, so you might get shot down if you fly over that. So anyway, no problems with that. So as I was going, I kind of said to him, Janie, you know, David, I'm kind of, this is, I'm struggling a bit now with the keeping the height um, level here. And he, and he says, yeah, listen, you know, this, this day it's warm. We're in the middle of the afternoon. There's a lot of thermals happening. So I'm taking that into consideration, he says. So I thought that was very reasonable of him because he had noticed it as well. I think it was good that I mentioned it to him. They probably just want to see that you know what you're doing, what you're noticing. So he was he was very reasonable when it came to that. Plugged in, polarized, fist raised in anger, staring down, don't meet the eye. Everyone's a stranger, a thousand tunes ringing in my ear, no time for conversation. Thousand channels wide to my brain, no thought, just sensation. Don't look at me, can't you see? I don't wanna talk to you. I'm plugged into the world, I'm wired, wired but disconnected. Wired but disconnected. So anyway, we kept going and we got to a pie. And then he said, right, okay, uh, cork is closed. Uh, I'm diverting you to Athlone. So, so of course I go, okay, right, grand. So I grab my map and I'm looking at my map and I'm going, where is Athlone? Now, hang on, I know where Athlone is, but I cannot see it on the map. So probably this is just a bit of the stress kicking in, right? And, and I'm going, okay, 
I know Athlone is slap bang in the middle of the country somewhere, but for the life of me, I can't see it. But anyway, after a, li- a little bit of time, I found it and I went, oh yeah, okay, there it was. And I think I could hear him kind of chuckling and to my right. But the problem, one of the problems was that Athlone was on, on the on the crease of the map over on the other side of the map. So I was flipping the map over. And, you know, when you do it, when you do a diversion, you have to, you have to draw a line between where you are and where you're going to go. And, uh, you know, so I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to draw the line while I'm trying to keep my height and I'm trying to keep straight and I'm trying to stay over a thigh so I don't lose my position. And so eventually I got sorted out. I worked out where I was going to go. Um, so, you know, diversion is very interesting because it really is sort of not hit and miss, but, you, you, you know, it's not exact science. You're going, okay, I'm going approximately 280 degrees. There's a, a 10 knot wind coming from my left, so I'm going to angle a little bit into my left. And you're, you're watching the whole time on your um, map to see that you're hitting the right marks as you're going. So I actually, that, that went fairly well. I was happy with that. But my times were a little bit, a little bit off, but no big deal. We were okay. So in the end, he, uh, we nearly got to Tullamore and he just said, listen, you know what you're doing here. You know, you're, you're going to make that loan. You're fine. Okay. So uh, just head north now. So I was like, okay, great. No bother. So in the meantime, while all this is going on, Baldonnel, the military controller, just wouldn't shut up on, on, the, uh, on the radio talking to us. They were like, uh, Delta Golf X-ray, can you state your position? Uh, Delta Golf X-ray, what are your intentions? Where are you going now? All this sort of stuff, and and so it was a bit stressful. And every now and again, I would hear David uh, on the radio go, and I had no clue what he was saying. And the controller would go and come back and go, oh, okay, Roger. So this was the funniest thing. Every now and again, he would do that, and I wouldn't have a clue what he was saying. And it turned out later on, I said, uh, as we were doing circuits over Weston, I said, I turned to him and said, you know something, when you're talking on the radio, I can't really tell what you're saying. And he goes, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. So he was, he was saying things to the guys. They could understand what he was saying, but he was saying it in such a way that I couldn't follow him because he was obviously telling them, listen, I'm going to do a glide approach in the next bit. Or, you know, he was telling Baldonnell, listen, don't worry, I'm doing a test here. I'm going to stop this flight plan in just a minute, just relax or whatever. So I just thought that was hilarious. But anyway, we headed back north now. So um, And we were coming to the bit that I think I was probably the most nervous about. And that was the uh, forced landing, the uh, the engine failure and forced landing. Because I, I think I'd kind of, I'd struggled a little bit in my training to get this right. Just to make sure that, uh, you know, I was hitting the right points on my downwind. You know, that I was making sure that I was hitting the speeds right, uh, making sure I was picking out the correct field. Um, so I was getting a little bit a little bit worried about this. So anyway, um, actually, no, that didn't come next, the forced landings. The steep turns and the stalls uh, came next. And, you know, a lot of people worry about doing stalls. He asked me to do um, one stall, and as soon as the, the stall warning started and a little bit of the buffing, he asked me to recover, which was pretty early. You know, there have been other times where I've been sitting there and the stall warning has been going off in my ear for ages and the thing is buffing like mad and, you know, there's no airspeed and, and then you recover. But he, he was happy to see just my, um, I suppose, my procedure, just the way I did it. So uh, he was happy just to get me to recover on a very early stage. So that was grand. So we moved on from that. 
Um, and then as we were about to do the first landing, he says, right, okay, so we're, you know, we're thinking now, you know, we'll have a look around and just, just see what sort of fields are out there. So it became more of a chat and a discussion, really, than a major test on force landings. So, you know, I was looking out the left and the right and I was seeing some fields and I was commenting on a few of them. I was going, that wouldn't be a great one now. There's wires going over that. Or that one there, that's quite good. It looks quite flat. Oh, that one has a bump in it. And then we found one and I went, yeah, that looks quite good. So he goes, right, okay, so your engine's gone. So let's get down there. So I did all my checks. I uh, did my may- my pretend Mayday call. Uh, got my speeds sorted out coming down to the field and I was going hmm okay and it looks like there might be a little bit of a bump in that one I might go to the right on this one and he was like yeah no that sounds like a good idea and what do you think of this one here so it was more of a chat as we were doing it which kind of relaxed me which was great and you know we were we weren't very low I'd say we got down to between 500 and 1000 feet and he says to me so are you going to make it and I looked at the field and said oh yeah definitely going to make it okay right let's go around so he was happy he was happy with that. So again, he was very reasonable. He just wanted to see that I knew what I was doing. Uh, he didn't want me to get down to 100 or 200 feet and then go around or anything like that. So that was good. Then he said, right, back to Weston. So at this stage now, this is we've been flying for probably, I'd say, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, something like that. Um, and I was starting to feel tired. Now, thankfully, I brought myself a few jellies to eat on the way back. So that uh, kind of got my sugar levels back up a bit. But on the way back to Weston now, he was certainly more relaxed. He was uh, chatting to me, talking about things, talking about his family and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, hopefully that's a good sign. And so we came in back into Weston uh, to do a couple of uh, landings and drills. So the first landing was just, a, he just wanted a normal landing. Uh, that went fairly well, going a tiny bit too fast, but that was no big deal. Second one he wanted um, was a flapless landing. And I came in and I thought to myself, you know, I'm a bit high here. I'm a bit too high. And earlier on in when he was prepping me for the test, he said, listen, you know, when you're doing a landing, if you're not happy at all, just go around. Okay. We will never fail you for going around. You can go around all day if you want, and we will never fail you for that. So, uh, you know, we just want to see whether you're making the correct decisions. So when I was doing the flapless landing, I felt, no, I'm, I'm a bit too high. So I went around and he, he kind of nodded when I said, yeah, I'm a bit too high. He did a big nod and a bit of a smile on his face. So he was happy. So then as we were coming in to do the flapless landing again, um, there was an IFR departure happening at Weston. Now, it's the funniest thing in Weston. If an IFR departure or arrival happens... All the VFR traffic have to stay, either stay well away, um, do orbits way, way out, or land and wait for this departure or arrival to happen. It's kind of crazy. So anyway, we had to do a full stop landing. We had to taxi back to the runway. And the tower said, oh, okay, do you want to taxi back to the ramp? And he says, no, no, we're in the middle of a flight test here. I need to go back up again. So anyway, not to worry. So we taxied back to the, the runway and waited until the, uh, the King Air had taken off. So uh, the next one, he still had a few things he wanted to test me on, but he, he decided to do them all in one go. So he, he needed to test me on a glide approach. So when you're in the downwind, he pulls the power, wants, you to, wants to know that you're going to be able to make the runway. So he did that. And, you know, I was still quite high. 
but I was obviously going to make the runway. He says to me, are you going to make the runway? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So he says, okay, go around. So he, wa- so he wanted to see me do a go around. So I did that. And then a couple of seconds after initiating the go around, he says, okay, right, your engine's out. So he pulled my engine again. And th- I'm climbing up over the runway and quite high now at this stage. And he wants me basically to get it back down on the runway all in one go. So dump the flaps, nose down, just, and as I'm coming down, and this kind of, I'd, I'd say it was probably a good sign, but as we're coming down, we're screaming down, he, he goes, yeah, like this. So he was having fun as we were coming down on the last landing. So we got it down. It was a little bit long. I got it stopped just at the end of the, um, end of the turnoff, the last turnoff, like there's still a whole, um, clear way at the end of the runway to roll out on but I got it down got it stopped got it in it was great so um but that was that was in the end that was really good fun because he uh he seemed to be loosening up and uh I think he I think he was happy with me so as we were taxiing back he made just a few a few pointers to me about holding my height and the power settings that I was sitting at and things like that, like nothing too major. And I thought, okay, that doesn't sound too bad. And then uh, we stopped the plane and um, and just as we're getting out of the plane, he turns to me and says, well, Mark, you know, I would trust you with my wife and family if you were to take them up in the airplane. Congratulations, you've passed your test. So I just thought, ah, oh, what a lovely way to put it. That was such a nice way to put it, that he would trust me with his family to bring them up in the plane. So I was chuffed, absolutely chuffed. So obviously I was like, oh, thank you very much. Very good, very good. And got a few, got uh, one of the mechanics to take a few pictures and stuff like that. But I was, I, was, I was going nuts under the skin. I was just absolutely chuffed. So I came back in and I, I texted my wife just to say that I was done. I didn't say whether I got it or not because she said she was on her way out to see me. So she was bringing uh, the kids. They were coming out uh, to see me. And uh, so then they got out of the car and I had a big grin on my face. So it was just wonderful for them to come out and they met David and stuff. So what a great day. Can't believe it. It's been so long. And um, I just can't believe now I'm a private pilot. Uh, since then, I've gone up for a few flights. Uh, I've brought my first passenger up. That was Luke, our son. Uh, today, later on, I'm bringing our daughter out, uh, Jody. So can't wait to do that. And uh, I might talk about them in future episodes. But just wanted to say um, a few have a, a few shout outs for some people just to, um, just to say thank you. And most of all, I'd like to say thank you to my family. And most of all, my wife, my wife, Rowena. Now, I think there are probably very few wives around who, like Rowena, encourage uh, their husbands in uh, flying and aviation. Like She has been such an amazing support. And Rowena, I just want to say thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you sometimes for pushing me to go and book a flight, get out there now and get up and keep going. You've just been fantastic, and I just want to say thank you so much for all your support. You've been amazing, and uh, there'll be a day I'll bring you up now as well, my dear. Yes, that's right, you and me. We're going to go flying sometime, okay? Yeah, so thank you to Rowena and my kids, Jody and Luke. They're fantastic, so they've been so good. And uh, thank you to Peter, uh, my instructor. 
Uh, he's been a fantastic instructor, got me through it. And I'll probably be doing more training with him in the future. But uh, Peter at NFC, if anybody's looking for an instructor, he's a great instructor. And then there are a load of people on Twitter who were just really supportive and just responded when, uh, you know, when I said that I got my license and stuff and they've been really encouraging. So I'm just going to read off a list of people now. You know who you are and I'm, so I'm not going to dwell on anybody. But, uh, you know, thanks to Tony in Shannon, uh, Dean Walsh, Paul Deegan, Trevor Buckley, Tony Simpson, uh, Seaplane Talk, Sean Waite, Gary Pollard, Rob Kelly, Mick Goss, David Allen, Neil Braden, Fred, Matt Fabricius, Samuel Mulhair, Grant McCarran, Richard Hamilton, and Mark Railton. So thank you guys. I know there's a whole load more people that I haven't included there, but that was just a quick list of people, um, particularly who've been really supportive. And I just want to thank you so much. You've been great. And uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at Mark is flying, all one word, or you can email me at uh, maidenflightpodcast at gmail.com. But thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Sorry for the gaps. I'm hoping that I'll be able to do it more in the future. So take care, everybody. See you now. Bye. Bye.